1: erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator join me as i uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving god and we are not its favored children the heresies of radolf Wine, coming january 2nd wherever podcasts are available
2: wow it's
3: like hiccups Mark. yeah <laughs> hiccups and squirting who knew
2: no. Exactly. If hiccups only happen to women, too, it's, we would not have a word for it, actually. I'm
0: diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together, see what it's all about.
3: Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that is very aware of the soccer players who are dating, so you can stop DMing us about it. I'm Carolyn Bergier.
2: I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with writer and sex educator Ro White about hand sex. Sounds stimulating. Yes.
3: Also, you can DM us about gay stuff that's going on, but sometimes there are certain things that happen, like this new story about uh, Sam Kier and just inundated inundated with with hot tips to the same story but we're happy for them we're happy for anybody finding love in this crazy we're never gonna be mad about hot soccer dykes
2: in our inbox right
3: well a quick and kind of big announcement is that our watch parties that we've been promoting at henrietta hudson guess what they're moving to friday
2: little edit on that Yes, no more be Sunday
3: Fridays, nothing on Sunday anymore. So please do not show up. I mean, no, please do show up at Henrietta Hudson and support. Yeah, support the bar. Uh, you know, have a fun time. Meet some queer folks. But if you want to be watching the L word with us. Hosting pre parties. We're going to be doing that now on Friday, starting around 7 30 ish, with Mm -hmm. uh, the screening going on at 8 30 ish once it gets dark enough because there is a screen outside. Uh, If you want to sit outside, you can reserve a table. If you want to be inside, just get there in time and you should be okay to have a spot. We're bringing a lot of fun stuff coming in uh, the upcoming weeks that we'll talk about once everything's a fish,
2: mm-hmm. but Stay just tuned. know that we're, we're trying to make it fun. There will be dance parties after the screenings. Just know that that's not a diking out event. I've got some messages over the last week asking for um, comps or if I could... Give names for the door, but that is a separate event hosted by Henrietta Hudson on Friday right. nights. They'll be having dance parties probably around ten.
3: Yes, and there's there's a cover, and they need to pay the DJ, so that's why. And I think it's worth it. I
2: the dance oh, party I, that we I danced for last time till two a.m. last Friday after yeah. our screening. It was a lot of fun. I so am much fun. happy we're Fridays for that reason.
3: Yes. Yes. I like the option of lingering around and uh, peeping on all the dykes and dyke adjacent people who are making out on the dance floor with reckless <laughs> abandon.
2: Was I one of them? Maybe.
3: <laughs> I must have left before that. Next time I'll have to stay around longer and and be
2: like paparazzi for dyking out and post them to yeah. story. <laughs> Which brings us to a very important question. Carolyn, I gotta ask, what's the gayest thing you did this week?
3: I know you're asking right off of us talking about the L Word watch parties because it absolutely is the L Word watch parties. And I should hope so. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, anything I could have done this week that was more gay than not only hosting two L Word watch parties at the iconic Henrietta Hudson. um, Also, shout out to Maker's Mark, our sponsor for these events. That's the reason why we were at Henrietta Hudson. Uh, But Henrietta Hudson and Lisa, who owns it, uh, just what the whole team there, has been amazing. I love that space. It is becoming my favorite Dyke bar. And i becoming I'm so the planet. go every week. It is by becoming the, way, the planet.
2: Yeah. It is becoming the planet. The look, yes. the feel, the new snacking options. It's very cafe by day, nightclub by night. It's just everything I wanted.
3: Yes. When I was
2: in my late teens watching the L word for the first time,
3: the dream dyke space yes they also have dyke beer that they sell there and they also have a maker's mark cocktail on draft which Mm -hmm. is a a new thing that they're doing draft cocktails and we did have some food the other night and it's delicious and very yummy bites that you can have there so again a shout out to hens uh I'm trying to think of like what were the especially like the gayest moments. I think putting together the PowerPoint and the amount of uh, images I pulled together and how gay I made that and kind of obsessed over that. I also think though, overall, it was just watching Elward Gen Q three times, <laughs> talking about it on stage, talking about it to you both on our patron episode last week, but also outside of that, um, talking to past guests of the podcast over text message about it uh, and sharing. Like, I couldn't talk about it enough. And that's the thing about the show is it gets me talking. And sometimes I think the writers are trolling us. And if you want to <laughs> know how I think they're trolling us, well, you're going to have to come to our next watch party where I will point out. <laughs> the evidence and make my case that that the writers are just trying to really and that get you me did. going mm-hmm. on certain things. Uh, and, and during the third watch party, I was taking notes while watching and that was pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, I had um, two pages of
2: notes. They're good notes. She emailed them to me. Thorough notes. I mean, what else can you do on your third viewing in one week?
3: Right. <laughs> We're getting really to forensic about this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> at uh, this
3: point. So yeah, that's it for me. What about you, Melody? What's the gay? Did you top the gayness
2: of hosting I these watch parties managed to, as you okay. know, Carolyn, not only did I have the pleasure of going to Henrietta Hudson for our watch parties on Friday and Sunday, but that weekend I was also dog sitting in the West village close by. So, you know, iconic gay neighborhood. Um, Allie and I, Packed a little suitcase to make the trek up from Brooklyn. So we only packed so much, right? Um, Right. You stopped by before we all walked over to Hen's for the Friday night watch party. Um, Allie and I still hadn't noticed this. The next morning we wake up after our very gay night of Elward and dancing. And we look at what we've packed. And we have packed identical outfits for two days. Like... (laughs) Everything which like Ally loves, she loves to match so much. I I was so physically uncomfortable. We had no other options. Um, we just had to trek out, and we both were wearing Birkenstocks. I mean, they're basic outfits, but like very similar looking V-neck gray T-shirts. We took a picture in front of the cubby hole just to make it gayer. Um, because <laughs> we were um just steps from the cubby hole in this apartment. Oh, this isn't gay, but. Philip Seymour Hoffman lived in this apartment unit. I like to tell anyone <laughs> um, who'll listen for nine years. So we did a little like mini seance. So I guess it mm-hmm. is gay in a way yeah. um, sure. to sort of contact the spirit of Phil- Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's not the apartment he died in. He um, later moved to an apartment a block away and that's where he passed. Just so we know. Okay. But he did live there for nine years. Um yeah, we uh, there was no getting around it. That's all we had packed. We, I'm not, you know, I was really considering buying new clothes, um, but it's a very expensive neighborhood. Just had to deal with yeah. it and march out of that apartment, um, spent the day in the West Village. We went to the Cubby Hole. We did ask some lesbians outside of the bar to take a picture of us in our identical outfits. Then we got a text message from a dyke group chat we're on with a link to an auto straddle quiz, which Elwood character would you let ruin your life? So in between Elwood watch parties to be sitting outside of the cubby hole in matching outfits with my lover, Allie while we each took our auto straddle quiz to find out which Elwood character we would let ruin our lives has gotta be the gayest thing right <laughs> that's pretty gay
3: yes yes that definitely tops it but also reminds me that the morning after the first watch party cecilia and i did wake up early and go hiking together oh yeah. wearing matching outfits oh i didn't know that part <laughs> yeah you know we bought the same stuff that was on sale at rei so just different <laughs> colors but same cut <laughs> yeah oh man pants yeah
2: I don't know. We love to do it. Allie loves to do it. It gets into like, sis. Hey, Mister, she's my sister. Territory.
3: Yeah. No. <laughs> I. I actually. I actually hate it. Uh, I don't like it when we match too much. But uh, you eh. know, who's who's gonna spot us? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's enough gayness from just the two of us. Let's add a third person to this conversation. Ooh, Because we know what you pervs are here for. Just (laughs) kidding. You're not a pervert. Hand sex is for everybody. Yeah. All right. Today, we are diking out with Ro White about hand sex. Ro is a Chicago-based writer and sex educator and is also the autostraddle.com new sex and dating editor. So let's get right into it.
2: Okay. Ro White, long time coming. Thank you so much for joining us on Diking Out. It's so great to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on being named Autostraddle's new sex and dating editor. It makes sense. I mean, we're here diking dy- out about hand sex. We would have with or without the title. You are... The person I thought of (laughs) right away. I wanted a sexy episode. Are you okay with it, Carolyn?
3: (laughs) I'm trying. I I should have taken some Xanax or something ahead of time, but I think I'll be okay, and I have therapy tomorrow, so I will be able to process uh, everything that we talk about. Uh, Yeah, congratulations. I mean, does it get any more... Queer and sexy than being the sex and dating editor at Autostraddle is—is that like the pinnacle? Like, where do you Should go that from your here? Dating profile, just bio. <laughs> what, yeah. Is that, like, I know is that you just you started.
4: <laughs> that's uh, that's a great question. I mean, I feel so grateful to have stepped into this position, and I think it makes sense given the background that I have. I guess I don't think I ever realized this was the, the direction that I was going in with my life, but now that I've landed here, I feel like this makes sense. And yes. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what it's like to be in this place. And yeah, where do you go from here? I don't know. I'm so <laughs> happy.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just started the this new chapter. So we'll see what's in store, but very much looking forward to, to seeing the content that comes out. Under you. Can you give everybody uh, an overview of your background and what led up to you getting this position? Yes. Yes.
4: Um, I have a really bizarre career background. Um, I Most of my work experience has been in performing. Um, so I'm a recovering actor, a former performance <laughs> artist. Um, and that, you know, I, I hope to incorporate that back into my life at some point um, in the next few years in, in some small way. But um, I've, I've always been acting, and I found writing through that. So I was part of a theater company in Chicago for a really long time called the Neo Futurists, where we write and perform all of our own work. Um, and I found that a lot of what I was wanting to write about was queer sexuality. Um, and part of that was because my side job at the time was working in a sex toy store. So uh, I did that yeah. for- on and off for I think six years, I worked in a couple of different sex toy stores in Chicago, and there I was trained to teach sex ed workshops for adults, and just developed a huge passion for that. And so then when I ended up at Autostraddle a couple years ago as a writer, it just I just sort of naturally fell into wanting to cover that topic um, more than anything else, and I think I. I guess I'm, I'm unique in that I feel really comfortable talking about sex with people, partially because mm-hmm. I've done it for work for so many years. And my goal is to help Other people feel comfortable talking about sex, talking about dating, um, because so much of that stuff is like so much of it is behind closed (laughs) doors, even like dating stuff and relationship stuff. I think we are taught to keep that stuff really private. But then when we're doing that, like we're not always able to recognize when there's a problem that needs to be addressed. So
3: right. Right.
4: That's my my very long tail leading up to this particular moment for me.
3: Love it. One of the things that I love about Autostraddle is how inclusive they are with their sex and dating columns, unlike other websites, which will not be named (laughs) the literal Voldemort of the queer online media community. (laughs) Uh, And I I just think that's so wonderful that there is a place like Autostraddle that can be so inclusive and share all different points of view and not shame anybody for what they're into. And yeah, I just want to say thanks for being part of it. I mean, you're, I know you're just like a week into this new role, but uh, <laughs> for, for any of our listeners who haven't checked out Autostraddle for this kind of content, it really does feel just so like sex positive and so inclusive, which is just vital
4: yeah I. I feel
3: really proud
4: to be part of it. And I was an Autostraddle reader long before I was a writer and long before I was an editor. And so that's something I've always really appreciated. And I'm so excited to be part of shaping that. Um, and I mean for for people for listeners who don't know a ton about Autostraddle, we have like sex guides, we do sex ed workshops that are virtual. We do uh, personal essays about sex and relationships. And then for our subscribers, quick plug. Um, you can actually subscribe to a plus for as little as $4 a month, which I think is pretty rad. Um, and when you do that, you can get access to like all of this other content that's behind that paywall. And one of those things is the a plus advice box where people write in with their deepest, darkest secrets and questions. And then they get a bunch of really smart queer writers answering their questions based on our personal experience and, It's been so cool. It's one of my favorite things to do as a writer is to answer those questions and also to just read what the rest of the Autostraddle staff has been writing in response to them because they're all so smart and we've all had such, you know, drastically different experiences in our sex and dating lives. And so I feel like if you have a question about sex and dating, first, I talk to a therapist, but also subscribe to A plus and drop a question in the advice box because it's so cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. Skip
2: I mean, us. Go there. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I am absolutely stumped by these questions. We don't get too many sex questions, and I think Good. it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: but yes, yes. It's a great place for for advice on on that kind of stuff. Um and wow, what a what a queer environment to be in, which leads us to a very important question.
2: Ro. Can you please let us know. What is the gayest thing you did this week?
3: My whole week has been so gay.
4: <laughs> Excellent, um, because I'm professionally gay. Yes, which I love, but I will say I also did something outside of work this week that felt very gay, which was I attended a baby shower. That's not the gay part. Um <laughs> I attended a baby shower for the very first time. That was like a small outdoor event for my girlfriend's friend. And we were the only dykes to the baby shower. Um, we represented hardcore. And we, of course, gifted this couple a children's book that featured a lesbian couple as parents. <laughs> And I yes. loved doing that. I loved being that person. I also loved picking out the book. I went to um, Women and Children First, which is Chicago's yes. feminist yes, yes, bookstore. Yes, yes, yes. It's amazing. They had so many options of children's books that were queer. And I like nearly cried pouring through all of these. Like, I'm someone I have no desire to be a parent whatsoever, but I do love kids. And I do wish like I maybe had some of those books in my life when I was super young. So... Oh, I just loved reading it. And I loved like in this book, okay, it's called Plenty of Hugs. And it's not really about like being gay or having gay parents. It's just like a pretty straightforward story for little kids where there there happen to be lesbian moms. And one of them has my exact haircut and (laughs) also is depicted with a tattoo of like a heart with a little arrow through it on her arm. It's so cute. If, if anyone it. out
3: there needs to get uh, a baby shower gift. A tattoo in a
2: children's book. I love it. <laughs> get plenty of hugs.
3: It's the best. <laughs> Very cute. What a great uh, gay act of service that, that you did. And a follow-up question. You said that you were the only dykes there, but were you also the only couple there?
4: No. No, okay. it was all couples. So this this particular event was like a baby shower slash housewarming so they didn't do the whole like only quote unquote women thing right Um, right but it was you know primarily straight married couples and then my girlfriend and me and then we did find one other person
3: of queer persuasion there (laughs) and we were holding it down how did you know that they were queer like were were they easy to spot or was it like you were sniffing around for clues
4: no although (laughs) we were we were looking for more and found no clues um this was someone that my girlfriend already knew so we had this person's
3: backstory in advance Um, I imagine like to try to figure it out you put a fedora on the ground and see who picks it up first and and then you're like they're queer (laughs) yeah or you just
4: like Ask if someone can open a jar for you and see if any of the right. women come running.
2: Right. Then you know. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> that's my and, move. And their
3: flannel sleeves are already rolled up. There are any cuffs. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any cuff. Um, no, that's great. I only ask because I feel like there are a lot of events where me and my partner will be invited, um, but nobody else has their partner there because it's all straight. But they're yeah. like, oh, but you're married to a woman, so she can come. And I'm like, but she doesn't want to be there Like as much as the other spouses don't want to be there. I mean, yeah. my wife Allie gets be there. gets invited to but bachelorette
2: like... parties that she's not, like, they're my right. friends. And it's like, why don't I get the break away from yeah. the partner <laughs> like everyone else? They'll just vaguely open it up to Allie because they don't know what to do. And it's like, you know you wouldn't want her there. You don't know her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't Girls I think trip. maybe
3: they think
4: we like do everything together, like with our partners all the time, which I, I do think is true in some cases. <laughs> well right. yeah. But I would love if people didn't assume that. Let's give the option. I do have right, my own right. life outside of my relationship.
2: I want the option of having my own life. I don't always choose it. Very <laughs> codependent lesbian relationship I'm in. But yeah, the option would be nice. <laughs> you do also have an erotic fiction series for auto straddle. I am working on a piece myself. I will say huge perk getting that a plus membership. I will be checking out all of that sex pod advice. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, slick, how long it's been running? Yes. What people can expect. So I actually took over slick not too long ago.
4: Um, and it hasn't been around for that long, as far as I know. Um, I'm still doing Slick in the meantime, but that might not be the case in the future. We're still figuring that out with the new role. Um, But Slick is another one of those things that is accessible to our A-plus members. It's an erotica series, buying for queer folks, and what I have really enjoyed as an editor for those is working with writers who don't necessarily write erotic fiction, um, and people have come up with some incredible like we've had alien sex we've had vampire stuff it's been great of course there's vampire stuff yeah we've hit every single niche of the erotica genre so i'm really excited to see what you come up with melody um
2: i'm terrified uh yeah i am up for the challenge though There better be squirting. That's all I have to say.
4: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Fountains. Just
4: fountains of squirting.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to let my imagination run wild for sure. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Well... I just want to talk about hand sex.
3: Yeah. I was going to say, squirting is a pretty natural transition to hand sex. And do we need to define hand sex? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, but...
4: Yeah. Hand sex, sex with your hands, stimulating okay, cool. uh,
3: your partner's genitals or their butt with
4: your hands internally, externally. I think that all falls under the hand sex
3: umbrella. Is it your favorite kind of sex? Is that too personal? Like, why <laughs> Why? Why hand sex? I,
2: <laughs> especially
3: because you worked in a sex toy shop. So right, you, kn- you right. know the range of what's, what's out, out there. there. What's good about Old Faithful here? Well,
4: so I do, I mean, I have a big appreciation for sex toys, both as a user and as someone who has sold them and talks to other people about them. Uh, Something that I think is really special, if I may, (laughs) about hand sex um, is getting to feel a partner and feel their arousal state and feel just like what's going on inside or outside of their body Um, with a toy. um, Or if you're penetrating someone with a penis, you can't necessarily get that same feel for like where a partner likes to be stimulated. Um, how they like to be stimulated. But if you start with your hands, it can be really helpful in sexual pleasure just overall. Um, And I will say like hand sex isn't something that everybody can do. I think a lot of times we think like, well, everybody can use their hands for sex, but for folks with like chronic pain, limited hand mobility, that's not always possible. Um, But I do encourage folks who might struggle with hand pain and hand mobility, if you can, just like get a finger in there uh, just to feel what it's like for your partner to be aroused. So that way, when you are using a toy or using your mouth or using something else um, you know, which areas they like to have stimulated, how much pressure, et cetera.
2: That's a good tip. I have um, like tendonitis. Like there was like a year or two where I like really couldn't be having like strenuous hand sex with my dominant hand. So I had to switch to my non dominant hand do you think it's important that we're ambidextrous and bad? With, yeah, with hand sex yeah. should people be practicing just in case with their non-dominant hand I mean I think so I think there is a
4: stigma around switching hands when you're fucking someone as a top you know if you are fucking someone and your hand or your arm gets tired it's not going to be as fun for you or the other person anymore unless you switch and that's perfectly fine. I think a lot of times too, when we're thinking about hand sex, we're thinking a lot about the person who's receiving it and like what position they're in and if they're comfortable. And that is absolutely important, but it's also really important to think about the giver and what position you're in. And if it's a position you can sustain for a long period of time, because you can legitimately hurt yourself or get a repetitive strain injury from hand sex. Um, Did. if you're yep. in a position where you're able to like use the muscles behind your shoulder blade um, and use like your bigger muscle groups instead of just your wrist, um, right. that can be really, really helpful. So
2: highly huh. recommend thinking about positioning. Do you work out certain, first of all, do you work out <laughs> and then follow up with these muscles in mind? <laughs> like. I,
4: it's funny you asked that. So I'm not currently doing this because I'm I'm waiting until COVID dies down in Chicago to resume, but I used to go to a bouldering gym and I got really <laughs> strong hands and forearms. And yeah. I think there is a reason why I saw so many queer women at that gym.
3: There <laughs> are so many queer women who love yeah. the boulder. Over. Oh my gosh. I was just watching the only sport I actually watched in the Olympics was I happened to be uh, in a place that had a TV playing it and it was the boulder women's bouldering hot and yes, yes, it was like so much queer energy and like just very sexy, very sexy watching (laughs) these women climb. It is very sexy and very fun. Um, but we actually, I actually wrote an article
4: about that subject because someone wrote into Autostraddle saying that they were having shoulder pain from hand sex. And so I answered that question with the help of my friend, Caitlin Andrews, who's a queer personal trainer. So if you look up, um, are there exercises for hand sex on autostraddle? You'll find this article and there, we actually have some like videos and images of different exercises you can do if you're someone who is getting shoulder or wrist
2: pain as yeah. a hand sex provider. Definitely All right. important to be aware of. Yeah. I just remember at this time I was, I was long distance with my girlfriend and I just kept exacerbating the injury every like couple months we would see each other and it's just important to be aware of those muscles and what you can and can't do because I really hurt myself continuously and then like even like at a certain point I probably needed to switch to a different hand so another a toy like while I healed but I was like yeah I'm not I'm thinking about what the other person and what they think of me it was like newer and the relationship, it was at a point where I was shoving my body against my arm, <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like you know, to like have some force behind it because it just hurt too much. And I don't want anyone to get to that point. Yeah. So I'll be looking up that article, too, in case this comes back. <laughs> Great. <laughs>
4: Um, and I, will also say another reason why I like hand sex and talking about hand sex is that it's one of the safest ways that we can have sex in terms of STI transmission. Always an important thing to keep in mind. Um, there certainly is a risk of STI transmission with anything that involves sexual fluids, but for hand stuff, it's very, very low.
3: Yes. Yes. My wife and I used to eat at this uh, Korean chicken place in the neighborhood and they would give you these uh, fing- finger oh, condoms, yeah. you would call them. Oh, yeah. And I was always so tempted. I was like, do these exist, though, like for for sex stuff? But I didn't think you would need them because, yeah, I didn't think that there was a- a- much of a risk of STI. Transmission. Um, though I kept telling my wife one day I was going to put them on in the bedroom, never did though. She <laughs> she seemed weirded out by associating with chicken. Anyway, this is why I don't talk about sex. I get weird. I get weird. No, I I do agree um, with the points you're making, and I will volunteer, yes. diking out listeners that hand sex is also my favorite form of sex for the fact that you can feel exactly what's going on and what you're doing. And I think it's the best way to get to know somebody's body and yeah. to know like where you're at. It just seems like the, the precision factor it's, it's hard to beat.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, the lesbian bar project uh recently held um a fundraiser and there was a raffle um and they raffled off sex toys from, wet for her which is a queer women-owned sex toy company i believe and um i won a like double-ended dildo or something and i still it's still in the box i've just like since the amount of times i've had sex since that, it's like coming up on like one or two months since I've won it and Erica Rose, director of lesbian bar project keeps asking me how the toy is. And I feel <laughs> like I'm like, <laughs> like a prude or something. Like I haven't used it yet. I'm just, I keep, I have hand sex. <laughs> like, I swear to God I'm having sex. Um, and it's okay if I wasn't, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> so th- yeah, I do think I prefer it. I just, yeah. Haven't, gotten up and opened this box and then yeah you have to figure out a new toy and it's like this learning curve and yeah maybe that's why I'm putting it off but preferable
0: (laughs) well branching
3: off from that a little bit because you're so knowledgeable and you said that you you conduct these classes and everything what's dating like for you like are people intimidated by your knowledge and feel like oh my gosh this person is like a, a sex expert and
4: that has happened before. Um, I mean it can be weird, especially. I mean I think this came up the most when I was working at a sex toy store and teaching, and and it would kind of be an, an odd thing um, for partners sometimes, but. I mean, I don't think the fact that I teach sex ed and have worked in sex toy stores and write about sex, that does not make me an expert at having sex with other people. Like, I think... right. Anytime anyone is having sex with a new person, there is a learning curve. There's no like one skill or technique that is going to work for every single person. And so that is something that I experience when I'm having sex with a new person because everybody does. Um, I think it would be a little weird if I were like pulling the same moves on every single person I slept with and (laughs) they were all just like loving it and dazzled. Um, I don't think that's how sex works at all. Um, but yeah, it can it can be weird. Um, I think it's, it's mostly been weird for, uh, for friends, honestly, because when I was working in a sex toy store and teaching these workshops, people would come into the store, not necessarily knowing that I worked there. Mm. Um, and then there would be kind of a weird moment of like figuring out whether or not we should communicate i mean my personal policy was that i would was always pretend not to know the person and then if they approached me then we could chat but you know i don't necessarily know if my friends and colleagues like want me in particular to help them pick out their dildo um or if they would feel more comfortable having somebody else do it
3: (laughs) that's considerate of you makes sense yeah
4: well i don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. Like it's a very personal thing and it's really vulnerable to go into a sex toy store just to step inside can be really hard for people. Um, and then having to ask questions and talk to someone about specifically what you're looking for and what you want to be doing sexually. Um, while other people are around also shopping, like that's a really hard thing too. So I, I would never want anyone to feel discouraged from going into a sex toy store after having a bad experience just because they're so useful. Like for anyone who wants sex toys or just sex information at, certainly not at every store, but at many sex toy stores, especially the ones that are queer owned and women owned, the staff are really informed and it's just a great place to ask questions. And also when you're shopping online, like you can't tell how big the dildo is online. Like you should probably see it in person before you yeah. try to put it in someone.
3: Yeah. Not the hard way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've done the same. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love going to sex toy shops. There's something really like disarming about every sex toy shop worker I've ever interacted with. I don't normally go around, like talk that freely with anyone about sex aside from people who work at these stores. Like, Once I'm in there, and I've noticed this with my friends, at least that's the mark of, I guess, um, someone who's good at their job. But it's, yeah, the perfect environment. It feels normal. It's, I don't know, any pretense I leave outside, at least for me, going into a sex toy shop. Are there any favorites of yours? Favorite customers? Yeah, or toy. Yeah, favorite f-
4: customers? Favorite toy. Co-workers you've seen
2: in the store? <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite sex toy stores? Oh, um,
4: I mean, I love early to bed in Chicago. Um, yeah. Early to bed is wonderful.
2: They uh, sent Carolyn and I glass dildos, remember? Yes. Oh, cool. Yes. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> um,
4: so that's probably my favorite one that I've been to. And I know, like, I'm biased because it is local. Um, but I do think it's a really, really wonderful business that really centers women and trans people as the shoppers. Um, which is also just nice. Like if you are a woman or a trans person and you don't feel super comfortable going into a sex toy store where there's going to be a bunch of cis men, like chances are early to bed is going to feel like a really safe space for you. Um, so I do love them. I love smitten kitten. Um, I love good vibrations, like, There are so many amazing stores out there, but definitely for for folks who want to go to a sex toy store, maybe like look into it before you shop there, see who owns it, look into the labor practices, make sure that the staff are going to be informed people because you want to have a good experience when you're shopping for something that is part
2: of your intimate life.
0: Yeah. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch.
3: hand sex and specifically when it comes to queer hand sex oh um oh i think there are so
4: many misconceptions i think um you know some folks believe that everyone likes to be fucked in the same way with hands um that's certainly not true um a lot of folks seem to believe that it's like one or two fingers and that's it um there can certainly be more involved.
0: <laughs>
4: Those are probably the top two that I can think of. Um, people get really nervous about using fingers in butts. Um, both givers and receivers get nervous about that because, oh my God, what if the finger comes out and there's something on it and it's going to be a disaster and we'll never have sex ever again? Like that's a big worry that people have. Um that is not something that people need to be as concerned about um, as they are, you know, unless you have a digestive condition, which a lot of folks do. But otherwise, you know, especially for finger stuff, you really don't need to be cleaning yourself out before um, hand sex in the butt. You just don't need to do that. Um okay. so that's another one. But you do need to use lube.
3: I should mention that. For for specifically butt for stuff. butts. For butts. Your butt
4: does not self-lubricate in the same way a vagina does. So if you go into a butt without lubrication, there's a chance of tearing abrasions or it will just hurt and not be fun. Mm
3: -hmm. What about cross-contamination? Yeah, so that is
4: definitely something to think about. So if you're using a particular finger in the butt, you don't want to take that finger and put it right in the vagina. Um, You want to use a different finger or you want to wash your hands before you do that. Just in case, I mean, even though you're very unlikely to see anything on your finger when it comes out of that, but, you know, there are still trace amounts. Particles. Uh, Sure. Yeah. And so just to avoid any kind of infection, it is important to wash your hands or use different fingers or use a different hand. Just remember which one you used.
2: (laughs) Right. This is where those Korean barbecue chicken finger condoms. Right. Mm -hmm.
4: I mean, or there's also the option to use gloves, which people do use. Um, Oh, yeah. I think that was more common in like the late 80s and 90s um, at, you know, the height of AIDS in America. And I think a lot of people in the queer community, um, including women, were you know, we're taking safer sex, like much more seriously than we had historically. And so using gloves for any kind of hand sex was actually pretty common at the time. Um, And now, you know, the gloves can be great for having extra safe sex. Um, They can be great if you want to put your fingers in someone's butt and then you take your glove off and then you put your fingers in their vagina. They're great for fisting too. um, Mm. Because with, With fisting, ideally, you want a smooth surface anytime you're putting something large inside of a vagina. So using a glove and then lubing that glove can just kind of help
3: everything slide in. And they're
4: really fun for doctor role play. Like,
3: Beat me to it. (laughs) it (laughs) I wonder if during COVID, if... You know, everybody had their their gloves on hand and probably have some left over. So uh, maybe now it. is a good time. Yeah. To get into fisting. That's a great. It piss. was
4: all I could think about. Anytime I was at the grocery store and people were in their latex gloves, like all I could think about was like these people, they're on their way to do some fisting at Aldi.
2: Like that's what's going to happen. That. Is, I wish I was thinking about that back when I... <laughs> and I was yeah, one of those people, too. not too late. Yeah.
4: And, like, because we didn't know, you know, for a while, we didn't know how COVID is transmitted. And we're right. all being super careful about surfaces. So I was definitely one of the people wearing gloves. Um, but I was in the unique position... Of I'm um, already owning a bunch of latex gloves. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was very convenient for me. Unfortunately, I used all of my gloves grocery shopping and not for any sexy reason Aww. last year,
2: which was quite tragic. Just even more tragedy <laughs> from this pandemic. Um Okay, I don't before we go all the way <laughs> with fisting, um, so to speak, I wanna just, you know. Before we take off from regular, just like fingering, hand sex, any tips and tricks, anything our listeners, any do's and don'ts that might be more universal, like not so nuanced for depending on the person, you know, just general rule of thumb.
4: I would say for external stuff, it's really important to watch your partner touch themselves before you touch them just to see what they like. So if your partner's comfortable masturbating in front of you. Um even just just for a little while, just you can get an idea of the rhythm and pressure that they're using. Um, That's always really important. And for internal stuff, obviously communication is key for all of this. You don't want to go hard and give lots of pressure right away until you know exactly what a partner is looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, And ask them beforehand if there are certain areas that they like stimulated. A lot of people really like shallow stimulation um that's where the internal part of the clitoris is located so that is an area where that could potentially lead to more like internally generated orgasms so for Mm -hmm. folks who are into that that's a really fun thing to ask about some people like to be fucked really deep and that's a good thing to ask about too um It's also good to know if you are fucking someone vaginally who has a cervix to know where their cervix is. Um, You can't always feel that with your fingers. Usually it's too high up, but the cervix does change positions at different points in your menstrual cycle. Um, And so just before your period, the cervix is like pretty low. And in that case, you want to be careful about like a really hard, deep ramming sex because that's not always comfortable. Some people love like. Some pressure against the cervix, and some people like hate it. It feels painful. It's not fun. Um, so, those are all, I guess, like questions to think about or things to explore before trying stuff. And trying different positions is super important too, because you can stimulate different areas in different positions. It's more comfortable. Um, and it's oh, yeah. always okay to change positions. I think that's another yes. thing that people get nervous about. Like, oh, if I if I move, I'm going to interrupt this sexy thing that's happening.
2: Yeah. But no,
4: it's it's so good.
2: Yeah. And that's how I've literally injured myself. Like, that's just something I was really uh, afraid to do at first when yes. I was having sex with people who had vaginas. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Can I add on to that that restorative stretching is always good? Um I mean that I do that more for after uh, performing oral sex, but if you don't want your neck hurting, or if you really feel like your fingers uh, were, you know, getting like locked into a certain position for a while, it's always good just to you know bend them back, just kinda... stretch them out a little bit, yeah, yeah. afterwards. Right. Is that a good tip, bro? Right. It might really I, I be
4: helpful. It's, okay. an, it's so important to stretch and just for things to be as ergonomic as possible so that right. you can, you know, maintain all of the stamina that you want to provide. Right. Um, <laughs> and like another position thing, too, is for a person who's receiving hand sex, especially like internal hand sex for folks with bigger bellies that hang down a little bit. It can be really helpful to elevate your hips on a pillow to just help your partner access your genital area that's another great tip. There are things out there. There's a company called Liberator that makes pillows that are specifically like sex pillows and they're made out of this really firm foam. Um, I mean, I imagine they'd be comfortable for anyone with like chronic pain who works in bed or something like that. Um, they have waterproof covers on them too. Those are like, they're, they're expensive and they're fancy, but they do work very well. Um, so I recommend those for, for folks who find themselves like wanting to use pillows and cushions a lot to get in different positions. Um, but you can certainly use whatever pillows or cushions you have available in your home.
2: Okay.
3: And one last thing before we get into fisting, cause Melody, I know you're, you're eager for this, but so curious. Uh, can we quickly talk about nail etiquette?
4: This is a great question. This is an area that I don't have a ton of personal knowledge on as someone who has always had short nails. And I have primarily dated folks who also have short nails.
3: Same. Uh, that's why I'm asking. But I
4: have been told yeah, by some of my like very femme friends who like to get acrylics. And also, I think some other autostraddle writers have written about this in the past, that you can take a latex glove and push cotton balls down into the finger parts and then put that on and that protects your nails from piercing through the glove and poking your partner in the butt or in the vagina. So that is a great way to go for folks who are nervous. It is certainly possible though to have penetrative sex with really long nails or with acrylics. You just have to be a little bit careful, but that's actually an area that I'm not an expert in. And I do Mm -hmm. want to learn more about that because people do ask about this really frequently.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that for a lot of um, bisexual women, too, or bisexual friends of mine will tend to have longer nails. I feel really bad. I had a friend who was really into uh, acrylics and she was commenting how she has like a much harder time uh, finding women to sleep with. And I made a comment saying, well, they are probably scared away by your nails. And afterwards, I was like, I'm really sorry. That was a shitty thing for me to say. Uh, But 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 that's where my mind goes like. As an older stereotype, I used to just, if I was wondering if somebody was queer, I'd look at their fingernails and be like, okay, chances are like 90%.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what we were all taught to do by queer popular culture, (laughs) but it's definitely not true across the board whatsoever. Right,
3: right. And it's bad to make like assumptions about how people perform in bed based on what kind of nails they have, and we shouldn't
2: judge Carolyn, yeah. in god, anyway, carolyn in the past god carolyn in the past always getting us in trouble uh <laughs> i know <laughs> wait do you look at people's fingers though not the nails but do you ever look at people's hands and think those are good sexes? <laughs> <laughs> are you looking um, for a free evaluation
3: melody <laughs> look at these <laughs> yeah well it is kind of weird
4: that that people who have hand sex were just like walking around with our hands out, like all the time. Right, right. You, you know, like that, <laughs> that is a Oregon. little weird to think about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely find hands attractive. I think there's even an Instagram account called Queer Hands, maybe, or something okay. like that. That's just
3: like we'll find. sexy
4: pictures of hands. Yeah. Um, Shelly, who's an auto straddle writer, uh, informed me about this recently. It's very cool.
3: I'll look it makes into me, it. Makes me think of Ammonite and my wife and I were watching. And we're like, oh, the not hands. Not good hands. hands. No, no.
0: <laughs>
2: no, no. <laughs>
3: They're just all calloused and full of dirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still,
2: uh, very good sex scene, but not Yeah, hand I mean, sex. if it was,
3: I don't care how calloused Kate Winslet's hands are, uh, anytime she, <laughs> she, she can get it. But.
2: Kind of justified that rental, that yeah. Amazon rental, for sure. Yes. Okay, now can we talk about fisting? Yeah. How, how you do it. <laughs> I don't know. I've never fisted. Um, so I'm genuinely curious. You blew my mind with that smooth surface thing. So I was like, yeah, I just, I know nothing. That made me realize I know nothing. And I'm probably not the only one listening who might not know anything about fisting. Where do you start?
4: So fisting is ideal for. People who like really girthy penetration already. So, it, for folks who are not experienced with penetration, I definitely wouldn't recommend going straight for fisting. But if you're someone who likes penetration from you know three or more fingers, if you like using dildos that are pretty girthy, then fisting might be for you. Um, and what a lot of folks get out of fisting is a feeling of fullness that is really, really intense, um, and a sensation of stretching that can be really intense. Uh, it should not be painful. Um, there's a difference between like stretching pain and scary pain. And I think we all know what that is yeah. in our own bodies. I think we can tell when we're having sex or like putting in a huge diva cup, like the difference between, Oh, this is just stretching a little bit versus like, Oh, this is bad news. Um, fisting can, it's, it's certainly not for everyone. Um, not everyone likes penetration, not everyone likes girthy penetration. Um, and not everyone's body is necessarily built for it. Um, you know, with, with butts, I think butts are pretty similar in, in terms of the ability to sort of open them up over time for folks who want to do that and want to go to an anal fisting place, Mm -hmm. um, for vaginal fisting, some folks just have like pretty small vaginas that just couldn't handle a fist. Um, so the vagina is, is like potential space is what people call it because when, Nothing's inside, all of the skin inside sort of like folds together, um, which is actually a good thing, because if that didn't happen, we'd be walking around with like a gaping hole and (laughs) who knows what would just fly up there. Um, (laughs) And so the vagina stretches to accommodate whatever's inside it. Um, And for some folks, that vagina can stretch to accommodate a fist. But for other folks, sometimes just the way a person's pelvic pelvis is shaped, like where their actual bones are, it's just not going to let a hand through. So it is not possible for everyone, but everyone can achieve a feeling of extreme fullness, like based on, you know, whatever your limit is for your own body. With vaginal fisting, I guess I'll I'll talk about that first. Although, anal fisting and vaginal fisting share many of the same techniques and elements. Um, it's just that with anal fisting, you're going to need a lot, a lot more lube. But both of these activities definitely require lube, which is a thing that people can get worried about. I think sometimes with vaginal stuff, people think like, well, I don't need to use lube. Like I'm turned on, I'm wet enough. And it's this like pride thing. But with something like fisting, lube is actually going to protect your vagina from tearing. So that's really important. And it'll just make it a more comfortable experience. Um, for the fister, I think most people are familiar with like the correct hand position for fisting. You mm-hmm. put all of your fingers, kind of squish them together like a duckbill shape, um, and you just go really, really slow and communicate with your partner the entire time. Um, for people who are new to fisting and you're trying it with a partner, you might not get the whole hand in right away and that's okay. It's okay to stop and then try again another time if that's something you want to experience. Um, The knuckles can be the hardest part. Mm. Um, But once past the knuckles, it's pretty easy to just slide right inside and then your hand kind of naturally curls into a fist. Hence the name fisting. For a lot of people who enjoy being fisted, they just want your fist to be there and that's it. Um, it's intense enough like that. They don't need any movement. Mm. Um, they don't need anything else. They just want to like have that feeling of fullness for other folks. They do like a bit of movement, like a, a gentle tapping. If you bend your wrist a little bit, oh, okay. um, or maybe some external stimulation. Um, but what, what I think is so cool about fisting is that it's such an intimate act um i think more so than having your fingers inside someone there's something about having your whole hand inside of a person that um looks like a magic trick and um <laughs> it can be a really emotional experience for people and especially for folks who don't have the option to penetrate partners with their own genitals um it's cool to have the experience to do that with your hands and it's also very taboo which is fun too like for those which makes of us who want to
2: do it yeah
3: Technical um. question: um, <laughs> Palm up or palm down? Hmm.
4: Either either option works. Um, okay. but I would suggest trying palm up first, just because the the natural flow of like curling forward is going to put more pressure on like the front of the vaginal wall versus the back, and the front of the vaginal wall is where most people really enjoy stimulation right. and intense pressure.
3: Right,
4: um, and I, I'm also I'm glad you asked that because position can be really important too for fisting. Like not every position is going to be comfortable for either person involved. Um, so for people who are being fisted, top two recommendations would be like on your back with your knees up or on your hands and knees. Um, it just you know it totally depends on the shape of your vagina and your body and just what feels best. But trying different positions can be really important, too, because I think any of us who have had penetrative sex have found that, like, we can take a lot more in some positions than in others.
2: Right. Right. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I didn't know what you did once you got up there. So that was <laughs> very helpful. Can you tell I very much want a fist? <laughs> I don't want. Yeah. I, think I don't know if I great. want to be fist. I just want Somebody to know Allie. what that feels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and her tiny vagina. We'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> it's really cool. And, yeah. you know, again, it's not for everyone,
4: but it's also just a fun thing to try. I think it's fun to just like try new stuff. With partners, even if it's not something that you fully achieve, just the act of sure. getting there can be really fun and you can discover something interesting along the way.
3: Yeah. Okay. So there's trust and communication, uh, even if it's definitely not something you think is going to be uh, regularly incorporated. I mean, uh, I think it can bring you closer together. Yeah,
2: definitely. You wrote an article for Autostraddle about vaginismus, I believe, correct? Yes. Um, Is there anything we should know about navigating hand sex with someone who thinks they might have vaginismus or communicating what they might need to a partner if they have it? Do you want to define it first, actually? I just realized. (laughs) Vaginismus happens when
4: uh, the pelvic floor muscles and the muscles inside the vagina are all kind of like clamping down and won't let anything in or won't let much in. It can happen for a variety of reasons. Um, it can happen for medical reasons. It can happen as like a trauma response. Um, I think it's a lot more common than people realize um, yeah. because a lot of people are suffering in in silence. And for some people, you know, it's not a big deal. Like some people, they have vaginismus. They don't really want to have penetrative sex anyway. So whatever, they they don't really need to seek any kind of medical treatment or therapeutic treatment um, and don't really need to do anything on their own, um, which is totally fine. Everyone is on their own journey with that. And for some people, it can cause a lot more pain and difficulty than it can for others. Um, But for folks who think they might have vaginismus, I mean, the only way to be totally sure if that's what's going on, unfortunately, is to talk to a doctor that you really trust, um, which can certainly be Traumatic um, to talk to yeah. a doctor about that. It's a really intimate thing, and especially for queer people, sometimes when we go to the doctor, we are not treated with the respect that we deserve. Mm-hmm. If you think that's what's going on for you, definitely talk to your partner about it, and definitely don't like force your way through the pain. Sex should never ever be painful unless that's your kink, and if you want. To be doing something painful, great. Um, however, if that pain involves your genitals or if that pain involves your butt, that could be a dangerous pain. And that is something to stay away from. It's your body telling you, like, no, let's not do right. this.
2: Yeah, no one talks about it. I did not even hear the term until Maria Bamford, her character, which was a version of her. Um, and I think she has it talked about it on her Netflix show just yeah. a few years ago. Yeah, you never yeah. really hear about it.
4: I'm glad she talked about it. I hope more people do. People actually really hated that article that I wrote and I'm, and I'm really grateful for the feedback um, because I was writing it from, you know, more of an educational standpoint. And I think some readers felt like I was kind of like medicalizing the issue um, Hmm. by talking about different treatments that are available for it, um, which, you know, I totally understand. And I think I'm realizing now I think it would have been a lot better to feature a personal essay from someone who has experienced vaginismus themselves and like how they navigated it and their particular treatment plan. Um, so that's something that's great about auto straddle. I know it sounds like it sucks, but it's like, I really appreciate getting feedback from people, especially when it's negative because you know, the last thing I want to do is like misrepresent an issue or, um, make a reader feel uncomfortable with like how a particular issue was is handled especially when that is in the area of sex
3: right for sure 100 um, percent. yeah we feel that same way yeah. too uh <laughs> have learned so much along the way of uh yeah just so there's there's so many things that you're not aware of and perspectives and things that can be triggering to some people so that's that's great that and i wouldn't doubt that auto straddle has a culture that is very open to listening
2: to uh, constructive feedback like that. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about squirting now. Yes. Um, you know, squirting, um, we've talked about it a few times on this podcast, always when I bring it up. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, but have not achieved it with just hands. I know it can be done squirting and hand sex. Let's literally Carolyn can see it on our doc. I wrote squirting via hand sex period. How question mark. (laughs) So I think a really common misconception about squirting is that you
4: need internal penetration to achieve it. That is not the case. Um, and in, from what I've heard as a sex educator, um, people can you know squirting can happen when there's intense internal stimulation is one way that it can happen and a lot of times that's with hands because hands can provide an amount of pressure that a toy probably can't provide Um, or a stainless steel toy Um, so stainless steel toys and hands ideal for stimulating and squirting from the inside. And then for external stimulation, it seems like people have a lot of luck with really powerful vibrators. Um, there are certainly people who can squirt from external stimulation with hands, but from, from what I've heard, like powerful vibrators are much more common. Um, especially something like a wand, something that's going to be really, really powerful.
2: We'll try. It's just, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) a lot of persistence then good motor skills i don't know yeah i need maybe it's a laziness maybe i achieved it via toys and thought i could only ever replicate with toys but it's we'll have to try
4: it's a it's a unicorn that we're all chasing Mm -hmm. (laughs) um it yeah it can be it's Squirting is so interesting in that like most of us have no idea when it's going to happen and and some of us have no idea like what we need to do in order to achieve it even if we've achieved it in the past. Um, it can sometimes happen out of the blue. Uh, for some people it happens all of the time um, which is another thing that that doesn't get discussed that much. There are certainly people who squirt, every time they orgasm or every time they're aroused, which can be fun, but then can also be very inconvenient for them. Um, and so those folks have to figure out how to kind of like hold back. Um, but for folks who are working towards squirting more often or squirting in, in new ways, um, you do, I need to use your pelvic floor muscles to release it. Um, sometimes you don't, but if you feel comfortable trying, like this is the thing that a lot of people get nervous about because they think
2: they're going to pee. Um, you're not going to pee. It really, okay. It, we have auto straddle sex and dating editor <laughs> saying on the record, it's not pee. Okay. <laughs> it really,
4: it feels like you are peeing because it does come out of the urethra, um, mm-hmm. but it is not in fact pee. So researchers still haven't agreed on what exactly it is, which is like, of, of course they haven't because people hate, wow
3: it's like hiccups. hiccups yeah <laughs> hiccups and <laughs> squirting who knew no. exactly. hiccups only
2: happen to women too which we would not have a word for it actually um <laughs> <laughs> right.
4: so we don't totally know of course there are absolutely trace amounts of urine in it because it is coming out of the urethra um and it is fluid that collects in the bladder uh and there is also some fluid that's produced by the skein's glands which um are analogous to the prostate um but yeah we don't know what it is but you're not gonna pee
2: if you are i need every x to just tune in <laughs> if you're very aroused to that and Isolated. you're being
4: sexually stimulated the likelihood that your body will be able to pee while that's happening even if you wanted to is very low i'm yeah. not saying it's impossible to pee <laughs> but it's very unlikely
3: yeah and if you pee it's sterile but guys it's, it's come you on know? And I think most of us pee
4: before sex anyway, so yeah. your bladder's empty, and if your bladder does fill up during sex, then that's not pee, unless you're pounding Gatorade while you're going at it, which is... Or
2: Pedialyte, as we learned. We had um, Nikki Hearts on the podcast. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> they drink Pedialyte in porn to... To squirt. To and they squirt. take, Yeah, they take some type of...
3: It was like a tablet Tab, or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh that's fascinating mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's all from the pedialyte <laughs> huh. straight
4: pedialyte it's just like purple coming yeah. out <laughs> right <Sick. laughs>
2: yeah and i uh, okay i just i always try, i regret so much of what i say when it comes to this um but i'll say it i will pee a lot sometimes after it's not pee coming out during sex the pee happens after okay right Well, and and that's so many people still think it's pee, and it like pisses me off, clearly. Yeah.
4: (laughs) And that is another thing. So, for people who, you know, I don't think everybody can squirt. Sex educators disagree on this. Some people think that like anyone with Evolva has the potential to squirt, and some people say that's not the case. I am on the fence. Um, But for folks who are wanting to have the experience of squirting, if you do find that you're a person who like pees a lot after sex and you feel like your bladder is really full, that might be like your bladder filling with liquid from arousal and not necessarily urine. So if you're one of those people, you might be steps away from letting yourself (laughs) squirt. Which I feel like we should acknowledge feels very good. Like the reason why people want to do it is because it feels good. Some, you know, some people want to do it because their partner wants to see it and like thinks it's hot. That's fine. If you're on board with it too. Um, But for the, for the person doing the squirting, it does in fact feel good. It's not just like a cool visual effect, although it is,
2: Um, but it it is is,
4: a unique release.
2: Yeah. We're not just making a mess for no reason, at least. for (laughs) It's a super orgasm. Come on. Yeah, get into it speaking of a mess
3: what about period sex with hands? <laughs> Okay. yes oh I love that we're cycling
4: through all of my favorite topics I am a strong advocate for period sex I think more of us should be doing it I think it's very fun I think that you know I people get nervous about it because like Ew, menstrual blood we think it's gross um But for those of us who aren't getting nervous about that aspect of it, I think there's also an element of like being worried about ruining your sheets and getting in your head in that way, which is (laughs) another thing that happens with squirting too. Like I think there are plenty of people who have the potential to squirt, but then they like get in their head about, oh, I'm going to drench my mattress right now. So for stuff like squirting and period sex or anything messy – I, being prepared is always best, even if it looks ridiculous. And sometimes it does. If you need to like, <laughs> lay out a whole blanket or a bunch of towels, or if you do have like one of those special waterproof sex blankets, or if you go to Home Depot and get a bunch of plastic sheeting and put it over the whole bed, it looks like a little crime scene. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a little serial killery. Yes. Thanks Dexter. (laughs) It does cover a lot of surface area. And so if you just want to like get out of your head, um, that is the best way to do it is to just be really prepared in terms of coverage of surface Mm -hmm.
3: area. Right. Because we had a really great, Uh, mattress sponsor on this podcast and I don't want anything to happen to this amazing mattress that I'm fortunate to sleep on every night so I am (laughs) always thinking about uh, protecting the mattress yeah that's totally a thing I also worry though about then just moving it to the the shower because water and lubrication aren't aren't friends so I am not a fan
4: of shower sex. I'm not a big advocate of shower sex. I think there yeah. are a lot of elements that can be uncomfortable in terms of washing away lubrication, but also just being cold or being too hot. Like it's very hard for two or more people to agree on the water temperature for a shower. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that becomes a thing and then inevitably like one person is under the water and one person is like left in the cold and shivering and no one's having fun. So, you know, if, if you're a listener out there who loves shower sex, I would love to learn from you about how to enjoy it myself, but it's mm-hmm. just, n- it they probably have two shower heads practical
2: yeah. Mu- or yeah,
4: like a big shower with multiple shower heads. Yeah. Um, but yes, that is, that is a way to get around the cleanup thing is to have period sex in the shower or squirt in the shower. Um, I I also wanted to mention that orgasms Can really help with menstrual cramps Yes they can Whether you are orgasming alone Or with a partner um, That can do a body A lot of good which is another reason Why I advocate for period sex
2: Why not You want to feel better (laughs) It also helps bring on a period That's straggling I At least I don't know if this is just coincidence But like I sometimes, like I just had started bleeding after a like 39-day cycle. Um, uh, really messed up cycle over the pandemic. But I've started to like masturbate and go as far as making myself square. And then I'll start bleeding like that night, the next Whoa. day. Like it'll bring it on. I don't know if there's science to it, um, but it does help with the cramps. It, that I have proven. I don't need any more science. Like that works for me at least. Yeah. Yeah. I
4: think it's great. And I think it's cool, like for people with periods who have sex with other people who have periods, like appreciating another person's menstrual blood can be really cool and really intimate. Um, or if you don't have a period and have a partner who does like appreciating that unique part of how their body works can be really cool. Um, I don't think it's something that we need to be afraid of or weird about, um, I find it fascinating. I've been especially fascinated ever since I started using a diva cup a few years ago, and was like really taking a good look at my menstrual blood every month, I'm and was swirling like, mine like is...
2: fine wine. Like, yeah,
4: <laughs> it's <laughs> cup. wild. It's so cool. I can't
2: believe I ever used
4: anything else because I love getting to see it, and I also think it tells me a lot about where the health of my body is at in any given yeah. month.
3: Yeah, yeah. so. Period sex. Also good. If you have a, an iron deficiency.
4: mean, <laughs> Potentially. That, I seriously doubt that's about been
2: researched. <laughs> but if it has been researched, then great. That's another episode.
3: Ro, is there anything that we haven't thought of to ask about hand sex that you have been dying to share?
4: Oh my gosh. Um, Well, I do think it's important to acknowledge that hand sex doesn't have to happen alone. It can happen in combination with other forms of stimulation. Like you can fuck with a strap on and stimulate with your hands. You can use your mouth Mm -hmm. and you can use your hands. Um, I think that's something that I would love for folks to keep in mind more, because that comes up when I'm teaching sex ed. Sometimes it seems like folks think that when sex is happening, it needs to be one sex act at a time in this like very isolated way, um, but incorporating multiple forms of stimulation can be, you know, much more fun for folks who like that, for people who like intensity.
2: Yeah. Um, again, congratulations on the new role at Autostraddle. What are you, you. hoping to do with it? <laughs> what are you looking forward to?
4: I am looking forward to maintaining the content that we've already been putting out there, which I think is incredible. We have lots of sex toy reviews. We have personal essays. We have sex toy guides. We have sex guides. Um, so I want to keep all of that up. And I also just want to make our sex content you know, more and more inclusive. I think that's something that Autostraddle has already been doing very well. And I also think there's room for improvement. Um, so I... Definitely want to be publishing, especially instructional guides um, and personal essays that are geared towards specific kinds of people in specific kinds of bodies in the queer community. Because I think, you know, we all deserve to see our sex and dating lives represented. And if people are finding that on our website, if they're finding stuff that they relate to, then that's exactly what I want to be happening.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Autostraddle tends to post, how did people find us? I don't know the name of the exact column, but they'll post the search words that people <laughs> uh, entered that brought them <laughs> traffic to the Autostraddle site. And I just, I can't wait to see what people type in and um, how they find their way to your columns <laughs> <laughs> and articles. Can't yeah. Wait. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs>
3: Where can people follow you on the internet? Yes, uh, you can find my writing at
4: autostraddle.com and you can find me on Twitter at Monroe White and you can find me on Instagram at Pleather.
3: Love it.
2: Good and
3: night. is there anything else you want to plug besides A+, plus? everybody subscribe if you can. It's better than the New York Times. Please subscribe to
4: A+. Plus. That's the whole reason why I have a job, um, is that we have subscribers who are funding new positions um, and making it a whole lot better for us to create even more content. Um, also, I want to plug Autostraddle has a new podcast called Wait, Is This a Date? That uh, is run <laughs> by Drew and Christina, <laughs> and it's a queer dating podcast. Yes, okay. And I got to be a guest on one of the episodes that is not yet out. Um, and I had so much fun recording it. And they're both so smart and so funny. And yes. I highly
2: recommend checking it out. Definitely.
3: Love it. So many talented and great voices over at Autostraddle can't say enough great things about it.
1: Thank you Thanks, so Ro. much for Thank having for this having conversation me. with
3: us. I did okay, right, Melanie? You did great. Great. I thought you okay. Great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I need that validation. It uh, makes me less inhibited every time we do this. All right. Well, Ro, we hope that we have the opportunity too, to run into you IRL sometime. Yeah. I would love that. Wow, Melody! Now every time I see you with latex gloves on, I'm gonna be suspicious. Don't look at me. I'm gonna look in your trash cans <laughs> when I come over and see Carolyn. <laughs> what's next in
1: the time
2: you come into the city and talk about that Korean barbecue chicken spot? <laughs> I think. I know what extracurricular you're going to be squeezing in after that. Okay. I think I'm going to bring a little bit of an ice pack for Allie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe well, it's time. <laughs> we'll keep everyone posted and definitely not here on the Patreon. More on that. Um, yes, patreon.com <laughs> slash out if you want to hear
3: about our adventures in fisting and whether or not they come to fruition.
2: Yeah, just sort of how inspired we were by today's conversation. Now,
3: speaking of Patreon, we have a listener question from a patron. So that goes
2: to the top of the list and gets it right to your ears. Let's go. This one's a short one. Okay. As Gen X is in full swing of middle age, what 90s actors would you pick in a reboot of The Golden Girls? listener who
3: submitted this now we do say the questions don't always have to be a personal advice thing they could be fun like this but this is a very hard question to
2: ask we really had
3: to do some thinking some googling and
2: yes I have 50 tabs open right now from (laughs) our little little meeting we had before recording to go over answers for this question are we ready
3: (laughs) yes okay
2: First wanted to point out that there is a supposedly in development for Netflix. We don't know what the future holds for this, but there is a Golden Girls-esque reboot sort of sitcom that the show has purchased where they did cast what Jane Lynch and, and Cindy Lopper and Cindy Lopper so that's interesting because before I looked this up, Jane Lynch was on my list for this reboot, and I didn't even know what character I ca- sort of saw her as. Um, I just s- sort of wanted her in it.
3: <laughs> Probably do we- Dorothy yeah. would be my, my guess, based on Hyde Alone. Yeah, <laughs> that was the tough part of it, too. Also, 90s actors, like, are we thinking gen x 90s like janine garofalo uh because yes i think janine garofalo interestingly enough i think she could play a rose
2: oh yeah that's fun
3: actually (laughs) i think that she could definitely pull off a, a different take on rose she is more than just her deadpan and uh the the Golden Girls. So B. Arthur, I looked it up, or her character Dorothy was in her fifties, and B. Arthur was in her early sixties okay. while playing it. So we were trying to figure out what's the right age. But once on my list were like a Janine um, Jane Krakowski, because I was thinking, okay, nineties actors, Allie McBeal, and that's where uh, Jane Krakowski. I believe got her break, but I think she'd make a fabulous Blanche. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Margaret Cho could be great Ew. as whoever. I don't know. Margaret Cho's kind of verse. <laughs>
2: um, oh, could Wanda Sykes be in this? Oh, Wanda Sykes Wanda should Sykes definitely be in it. Should I will watch play anything.
3: Sophia. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Wanda Sykes would be the perfect Sophia. Yes. <laughs> um, Laurie Metcalf was another one. Again, mm-hmm. thinking 90s actors. And though Laurie has had a, a great career that's still thriving, but I think uh, her acting talents and her humor uh, could make a great Dorothy.
2: We also thought Lisa Kudrow, of course, and but it's who, but it's as Rose. Yeah. Right? As yeah. Rose. Um, I thought Holly Hunter for Blanche. Um, I love Holly Hunter so much. Yeah. I love her voice. It's really just for the accent. Um, yeah. Ultimately with her, who would Jamie Lee Curtis play? <laughs> i don't know uh, do you know any chance i get to bring up jamie lee I know, curtis i know i know you would love this to see one. yeah
3: i know you would love to see jamie lee curtis but for some reason she doesn't strike me as a golden girl no yeah she's a guest Side star character.
2: yeah 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 yeah
3: she is for sure a guest star she she's is a very Dorothy special sister. yeah yeah <laughs> uh
2: those are our answers We do know there was also a reboot for Charity um, with an all-black cast that they did, like One Night Only. I don't know the full cast, but I do know Regina King was in it and Tracy Ellis Ross. And I don't know who they were even cast as. I just know they were in it. So, sort of fun to think who would they be before I even (laughs) Google it. Should have Googled it. Sorry. Too many tabs. (laughs) From this homework assignment of a listener question, thanks for getting the... Creative juices flowing with this one. We also, uh, well,
3: you said, and I agreed that Sophia could also be Betty White.
2: Oh, duh. I forgot to say. Yes. Betty but White honestly, will come back. Make her work. Yeah. <laughs> don't make her work. I know, but that'd be fun. She could do it, she'd be a yeah. great Sophia.
3: Uh, if you have uh, a listener question, you can send it to us, Out at gmail.com. And if you want to become a patron again, just go to patreon, dot com slash Out, and you'll see the different tiers there and what it gives you access to. And you can uh, follow us on... Instagram at Diking Out. Find us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. Please do. I love it. I love the follows
2: on Twitter and Instagram. Go follow Carolyn while you're at it. If you want, you can follow me at Melody Kamali on all social media platforms. Thank
3: you so much for diking out with us this week. We hope that you'll join us next week for another dike out sesh. Let's dike out next
2: week. See you next Tuesday.
1: Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co founders of Reddit. But more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. The one thing I constantly hear successful people say, without fail, is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids. That's time no one can get back. So I decided to create Business Dad to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Roz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.